Well, everything, Eric, everything is designed. Everything. Everything in our lives is designed. Every experience, every product, every way in which we engage with the world now is something that is designed. What's up, branding experts? Eric here at Ebook Design. And welcome to On Branding Podcast, the only podcast where I interview branding experts to give you actionable tips on everything branding and beyond. And in this episode, I interview Debbie Millman. And we talk about brand thinking and design. And Debbie is one of the most influential design minds of our time. An author, educator, brand strategist. And she's also the founder and host of Design Matters, which is the world's first and longest running podcast. And Debbie co-founded the world's first graduate program in branding at SBA, which is School of Visual Arts in New York. So Debbie has worked in the design business for over 30 years, where she has overseen the redesign of over 200 global brands. So she's a design visionary uh, whose ideas have shaped the branding of uh, Pepsi, Gillette, Colgate, Campbell's, Burger King, Hershey's, Hagen and Das, Tropicana, Star Wars, and uh, many, many more. But Debbie is also the author of six books, and one of which is called Brand Thinking and Other Noble Pursuits. And this is the book we are going to talk about today. Hello, Debbie. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on our podcast. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor. Thank you. So in your book, you basically compiled interviews with some of the world's top brand thinkers. And you get them to talk about branding and identity design, marketing, and basically all related disciplines, right? Um, so obviously you have strong understanding of different perspectives that people have on branding in the industry. Uh, so I wanted to make this podcast actionable for our listeners and just cut through all the empty jargon and buzzwords. And so hopefully we can just walk away with some clarity on how to go about branding or just um, become more articulate about um, how brands work. Because, you know, in, in this ever-changing dynamic landscape, everyone must speak the language of brands, right? So, yes. Um, so first of all, the word brand has so many meanings and it can mean many different things to, to different people. So I wanted to start. Um, so talking from your own experience, how would you define the word brand? And um, yeah, what is a brand? I think that a brand is manufactured meaning. It is something that humans create in an effort to define and designate what something means. And you then communicate that via deliberate differentiation. Manufactured meaning, right? So, um, how is that so many people, you know, people sometimes they tattoo logos on, on, their, on their bodies and we actually fall in love with brands. Can you explain like from your uh, perspective, um, how does it happen? Why we are so engaged, uh, why, why we love brands? Well, brands are ways in which we can telegraphically communicate our affiliations, our beliefs, and when we encounter either someone or something that is communicating some of the same values that we share 
or allows us to feel better about ourselves through the sheer engagement of that thing, we feel happier. We feel, at least for a, a brief period of time, we, we get a dopamine hit and we feel either recognized or fulfilled. And we've been doing this really since the beginning of time. We started to record our reality on the walls of Lascaux, uh, the caves in France. Uh, mm -hmm thousands of years ago. Um, we did this in, in an effort to communicate our reality, to be able to preserve our memories, to recreate our experiences. So they were our first storytelling devices and our first shorthand to be able to communicate to others something that we were experiencing. And that evolved to our creation of marks to indicate our beliefs in the supernatural, whether that be um, Judaism or Christianity or Muslim. We created marks to signify and telegraph what we believed into others. And so this allowed us to feel safer and more secure in groups. Right. that of like-minded believers. We did the same thing by creating flags. Our first flags were used on the battlefield to designate which side of the battlefield you should go on, or you should fight on, because there were no mass manufactured uniforms. Um, and then we created mass manufactured uniforms and then put the logos on the uniforms. <laughs> So, so we've been doing this really since the beginning of our time as modern humans on this planet. Right. So yeah. So yeah. Throughout your book, you can we can read quite a lot about you know human humans being pack animals, as you mentioned. You know, uh, wanting to belong to a tribe and you know to a group of people who share similar values and opinions. Right. So. Um, yes. And you mentioned that you know. Uh, your definition of, of a brand is manufactured meaning, but also uh, you mentioned storytelling, right? So, and, and I realized that, you know, you've interviewed so many uh, big names in our industry and most of them would agree. Would you say that most of them would actually agree that, you know, brand is about telling a story? Branding is about um. telling, telling a story? That, that is one of the ways that you can communicate your brand, but brands themselves aren't telling stories. It's the, the people that create the brands that do. People, people somehow have conflated brands with souls, and there's a, there's a really big difference. You know, brands don't have souls. They aren't uh, alive. They, yes, a person can try and be a brand, but brands are, are messy and inconsistent. And humans, I'm sorry, people are messy and, and inconsistent. You wouldn't want those brand attributes for any brand at all. Humans are constantly evolving, taking risks, experimenting. Um, brand managers don't want to do anything to jeopardize the market share of their brand. In fact, they're, uh, they have a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders not to do that. So, so I think that storytelling is a device to be able to engage an audience. 
but the brands themselves aren't the storytellers. Right. Uh, so a brand is not a logo. It's just a fancy but, word for communication. <laughs> storytelling. It's just a fancy word for a type of communication. Yes. Right. So, you know, uh, just for our listeners, so the word brand is de derived from the old Norse word brander, which means to burn by yes. fire. So it started as, as Martin Cato about 4,000 years ago, and, and you uh, talk about that in your book. Um, and, and you told us, you know, a, a, a different story about uh, uh, creating uh, marks uh, in case and, and things like that. Uh, uh, but nowadays, uh, a brand is, is, is something intangible, right? It's about our emotional connection uh, to a, a company or a product or a service. Um, so it's, um, so, so it's something, it's not just a logo, it's not just about visuals, right? Because many people are confused about that and, and they think that, you know, logo is, is their brand, but it's actually not, it's much more than that, right? Yes. Uh, okay, so um, since we know what a brand is and, um, and what is not, uh, I wanted you to talk more about um, branding and you know the process of branding because, because branding is a process right so um if a brand is something intangible it's, it's our perception or, or meaning as, as you said uh about a product or service then branding is the process of shaping that perception or creating that meaning right so can yes. you speak to that a bit what is your definition of branding and perhaps some of the best practices practices when it comes to branding well, I, as I said, I think that branding is a, a process of meaning manufacture and design is the communication of that meaning. And it begins with sort of big, bold ideas and works its way down to the tiniest detail. Um, and as I said, the way in which you are able to communicate what the way you should be able to communicate what your brand is, is through very diff deliberate differentiation, which is the result of very intentional strategic positioning. Um, I think that positioning is a journey to branding, which is the result of that journey. The components along the way include cultural anthropology, behavioral psychology, economics, creativity and design, and all of those disciplines combine to create the result, which is a brand. But you don't, you, a brand isn't something that you just create overnight. It is created through positioning and then the communication of that positioning in the minds of an audience is the result of, results in a brand. Right, right. Yeah, I think uh, uh, you articulated that well. So, um, can you give us some examples, perhaps, uh, about like perhaps some of the uh, biggest brands, so we can all relate. Um, so, in your book, uh, you give those examples. Like, for example, Coca-Cola is about optimism, right? It's about happiness, uh, and it's about connecting. Well, that's that's the way they they position the brand. I mean, right. if you didn't know what coca-cola was and you gave it to somebody that landed on this planet not knowing what coca-cola was 
they would not drink Coca-Cola and think happy. That is the positioning that the marketers have created that allow you to feel that, that give you the sense that you can feel this way. It's not the, um, it's not born that way. Right. Um, so, so branding is the process uh, basically of uh, attaching some ideas to a product or service, right? So next time we come across, you know, we, we engage with that brand or we buy that product or use that service. Uh, and uh, as you said, as you mentioned, through communication and through advertising, uh, strategists and, and um, designers or entrepreneurs, they try to create that meaning. Uh, uh, that differentiation and the positioning. So, like, so uh, for example, like uh, with Coca-Cola, uh, when we buy Coca-Cola, um, we buy it. Perhaps we we it's just it's just in our mind through advertising and communication. We know that you know we have this sense of uh, you know buying happiness, right? Well, again, that's manufactured meaning. You are being told that this could make you happy. You're not yeah. going to be happy because you bought a Coca-Cola unless you know that that's what Coca-Cola wants you to feel. It's not something that's going to be elicited naturally. You know, it's not, right. it's not a drug that's going to transform your mood. No, we are going to take a quick break here, but we will be right back. Listen, my mission is to help people design iconic brands. So whether you're a business leader who wants to be more intentional with branding and all of its aspects, or you are a creative who wants to attract powerful clients and truly be able to help them with branding, then you need to start with a discovery session and then develop a strategy that will inform all your creative work. And everything you need to learn how to do that, you can find in my online courses at ebegdesign.com forward slash shop where I share with you my worksheets, case studies, video tutorials, and other additional resources to help you feel safe and strong about your process. And now let's get back to our conversation with Debbie Milman. Right, right. So, so yeah, so it's about that attaching that meaning, right? So Yes, exactly, exactly. Next, next time we see the red color, uh, we see that uh, distinctive uh, bottle shape uh, and, and the uh, Spencerian logo. Um, we have an idea what that brand is about. Right, but we're trained to believe that. We are trained to believe that. Yeah. Somebody living in the middle of the woods that has never watched television, never seen an ad, never been to a supermarket, never read a magazine. Again, they're coming upon, and there's a great movie, I don't remember what it's called, but it is a, a movie about a tribe in Africa that come upon a, an empty Coke bottle, and, and then what happens, and it's brilliant. Um, but we're, that's not something that is going to be um, naturally occurring in nature. Right. Uh, so this gets us closer to, you know, talking about the design. Uh, so since we know what, is, what a brand is and we know, uh, you know, what is the process of branding, now design, it's really important. Uh, so uh, let's talk about that, the power of design. So why design matters? Can, can you speak to that? Why, is, why design is so important? Well, everything, Eric, everything is designed. Everything. Everything in our lives is designed. Every experience, every product, every um, way in which we engage with the world now is something that is designed. And the condition of design, I believe the condition of design and of branding reflects the condition of our world. 
And so if we're not making deliberate choices about what we make, what we create, and what we buy, we are not, we, we, we lose the agency in our own lives. So everything is a choice now. And those choices are created by deliberate differentiation through design. Right. So, uh, but design is not uh, only, only about the aesthetics, right? It's not, design is not art. Uh, it should sort of... It can be. It can be. It depends on the designer. There are some designers whose work elevates into art, I believe, because of its conceptual quality, because of the craft. I think people like Paul Sayre, Marion Banshees, Stefan, some of Stefan Sadmeister's work, their work really does blur into art. Not all designers do that. Paula Scher's work also blends into art and she does both. She's both a designer and an artist and she brings mm -hmm. a lot of artistic craft to the process of design. So I think it really depends on the practitioner. Right. But I w what I really wanted to convey is that, you know, because as designers, we are obsessed about, you know, how things look and how brands look. And perhaps sometimes we even like over hopeful uh, when we care about design. But uh, it is critical, but uh, it, it needs to come from stem from the strategy. Right. So like, for example, with Coca-Cola, uh, Coca-Cola use red color, Spencerian font to, uh, and distinctive bottle shape to create that differentiation, right? So everything serves a purpose, uh, every um, element of design, of uh, the language of design should serve a purpose when it comes to branding. Would you agree with that? Would you disagree? Uh, can you ask me the question again? I, I, I got lost a little bit in that. I'm sorry. So, so, so what I wanted to say is that, you know, every aspect of, um, of, of, the, of the design should serve some kind of a purpose. It's not, it's not that, you know, we, it's, it's, not about our, it's not about something subjective. It's not that, you know, we think that it looks cool or it, it looks beautiful and that's how we're supposed to design that brand. But it should come from the, it should come from the strategy, you know. Um, oh, absolutely. I absolutely agree with you. I always, I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about and teaching the work of Michael Porter, um, the grandfather or the father of strategy, and, and yeah. always have to sort of train my students to think and understand. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. Are you still there? Sorry, my my phone went crazy. Sorry, I I don't know what's going on. One sec. Okay. I don't know what I'm doing here. I have to quit everything. Okay. Sorry. Can you edit that out? Yes, I will. Yes, yes. Okay. No I just want to take I'm notes. really sorry. Okay. I have to. Um, let me just turn off. Put my phone on airplane mode. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. So we were talking about the. Okay, I'm really sorry about that. Um, no problem. I, I'm gonna. I thought edit my phone that out. was off.
And then I was trying to turn it off furiously and then turned on podcasts and music and everything was going all at once. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, so I'll, I'll do that again. Um, yes. So, so I spend a lot of time thinking about strategy, teaching strategy, and I always rely on the work of the, the father of strategy, um, Harvard Business School professor, Michael Porter, who, who first wrote that strategy is choosing to perform activities differently or to perform distinctly different activities than rivals. And, and that's really what you need to be able to uncover and articulate, which is really, really hard. I mean, if you think about it and, and break it into its pieces, individual pieces, choosing to perform activities differently, that's a little bit easier than the second part because you can say, okay, well, Starbucks did that. There were lots and lots of coffee shops all over the world before Starbucks, they came in and fundamentally offered a different experience, but there were coffee yeah. shops before. So, you know, they, they did it differently. They chose to perform activities differently. And then if you think about what iTunes first did for Apple, they, they changed the way we engaged with our entertainment. And so while there were a lot of MP3 players before the iPod, Apple was the first to integrate that device with a platform like iTunes and really distinctly performed different activities than rivals. And so that's really what I talk to my students about, whether they be branding students or design students, before you design anything, you have to determine what your strategy is. What is the reason for being? The world doesn't need another bottled water. The world doesn't need really another flavor of Oreo cookies. So what can you provide that no one else is providing? Because people don't want a brand with just another flavor or another form. They want brands that make a difference in their lives. And so being able to determine what that is and then to be able to communicate it, I think is really at the heart of all of our work. Right, so designers use iconography, type, look, and feel, you know, color to capture specific feelings and then convey those feelings to the world, right, to, uh, to the yes. audience. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it's, so, so design is not just about, uh, you know, uh, decorative creations and just looking cool or modern or just, you know, uh, winning awards, but really to, you know, it should stem from the strategy and, uh, and our main objective should be to help our clients sell more stuff or create that uh, meaning, uh, and then so so that more more and more people can engage with our brand. Absolutely, beautifully said. Thank you. So um, now I want to talk about uh, the future of branding. So you know, what do you think about the current state of branding and 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 the future of branding? How how the future would look like? Do you think that? Uh, there's going to be more brands or less brands because, you know, like because of brands like Amazon, you know, so, some small brands may, you know, go out of business. Uh, we have so many acquisitions. How do you, how do you anticipate, anticipate the future of branding in, in the upcoming years? Well, I think that there'll always be more brands because as long as brands make money, they will be made. People want to make money, and so they'll create brands in an effort to do that. Um, I think that the role, you know, I'm actually going to rephrase that. I think that the control of branding has shifted, um, whereas the control of brands really were um, under the purview of a 
corporation, now people, humans, citizens, have learned to be able to take the very tenets of branding that were once solely owned by the corporation and use them to create movements to be able to change the brand, I mean, to change the world. So it's not just about money anymore. Um, you know, there was a, a time when corporate corporations owned, operated, manufactured, advertised, designed, promoted, and distributed brands, pushed them down to the consumer. Um, they had a responsibility to their P&L and an expectation of an ROI. Now, these tenants of branding, these disciplines of branding, have been, have been appropriated back by the people who first created the symbols of religion and so forth. So it's not like we aren't familiar with these things in our, in our history um, and are using them now to create movements. We started to see that with Occupy Wall Street. Now we see it with Black Lives Matter. We see it with Me yeah. Too, Time's Up. We are using the tenants of branding to make a difference in the world, not just to make a different product. Right. So, so branding basically has become a more user-friendly word. So politicians use it, schools use it, individuals use it. Uh, we use it for causes, you know, to champion and, and things like that. Um, so would you, would you say that brands are going to be even more entrenched in our, entrenched in our lives? Um, and, and how would you address, you know, because we have so, uh, people have now a uh, short attention span, right? And um, the world becomes more cluttered. Um, do you have any perhaps tips on, you know, how we should approach branding um, to be able to survive in this, you know, uh, competitive world? I think that we have to look outside and see what's needed before we make anything new. I think that if we're making brands because of internal financial goals, we are approaching this discipline in the wrong way. Look at the world and what is needed. What can you contribute that will make the world better as opposed to making it dirtier or worse? And so that is the fundamental question of everybody working in branding now. Do no harm, as Milton Glaser would say. Right. And, and, and I also noticed that um, many, many brands now want to be purpose-driven brands, want to be like, uh, like Dove or Patagonia, for example. The other day I watched uh, Shark Tank and you know, there are a lot of startups and, and most of them, at least half of them, I would say, they try to uh, associate their brand with some kind of a cause to champion, whether it's social cause or environmental friendly cause. How do, how do you, what do you think about that? Do you think that more and more brands... I think uh, that most of the brands, unless the brand is taking a risk by asserting a belief that isn't already popular, then they are... And, and not only popular, but widespread and accepted, 
then they're just riding a bandwagon of somebody else's belief and trying to ride the coattails of that belief. There are very few brands that are willing to take a risk in the marketplace because of a belief. Nike did it with Colin Kaepernick. Patagonia has been doing it for years. Um, but there are very few that are really taking a risk with their audience and their market share to stand up for their beliefs. And it makes sense that they don't. They have a financial responsibility to their shareholders. Um, but those that have um, are changing the world with their beliefs, but they're by no means widespread yet. Um, until everyone feels like it is okay to take a knee during the national anthem of a sports um, performance in the United States, or people feel that climate change is indeed real, um, it's still a, they're still taking a risk by asserting their beliefs through their and with their brands. Other, other than that, there are very few brands that I can think of that are doing that, honestly and authentically, because they aren't taking risks. They're just riding a bandwagon now of primarily accepted beliefs. Sure. So I, I want to do right, wrap this up uh, with this question uh, for our listeners. How to become a branding expert? Uh, do you have any, uh, what advice would you give someone who is starting in branding? Uh, have a big curiosity. Try to learn about as much as you can um, and, and read. Read a lot of books about branding and potentially take some classes. Um, it's, it's a long road of learning but it's one that I think is really um, meaningful because of the way that everyone pretty much all over the planet now engages with brands and uses them to make our lives. So curiosity, read a lot, take classes. Um, train the same way anybody would train to be good at anything. Do it every day, learn something new every day, stretch your goals every day and, and practice. Like with everything we want to in life, we need to practice if yeah. we want to be really good at something, right? Exactly. Awesome. So uh, as we are approaching the end of our episode, please uh, let us know how we can find more about you and the work you do and how to get in touch with you. And um, I will include all those links in the description. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm uh, at Debbie Millman on Instagram and Twitter. And my website is DebbieMillman.com. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. And um, I look forward to hearing the, I look forward to hearing the episode. So this is it for today's episode. And make sure to go and check out Debbie's website and follow her on social media. And you can find all the links on this episode's page at evicdesign.com slash podcast slash 13. So thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my podcast for more tips on branding, strategy and design. This was Arek Dvorniczak from Evic Design.